podcast. I'm Karen Weaver. Recently, the University of South Carolina has been embroiled in issues related to the roles, responsibilities, and the culture of their board of trustees. Things reached a fever pitch when a governance consulting team from AGB was brought in to analyze and then report on how the board could address and repair some of its issues. Let me use the reporting of our guest today, Lucas Dupriel, tell the story in more detail. Lucas works for the state newspaper as a reporter covering higher education and graduated from mm -hmm. Ohio University in 2015 with a degree in journalism. He wrote, as the Gamecocks football program headed toward what, we, what was ending up to be a four and eight season, questions around the University of South Carolina coach Will Muschamp and his contract buyout at the time that was about $19 million were, were swir swirling. Several board members spoke to media outlets about the ability to pay such a buyout, as well as some other matters. In addition, reports citing anonymous sources also linked several board members to inviting former Gamecocks player Brad Edwards, who is the current athletic director at George Mason, to a game in Columbia to talk about a possible employment, and I might add, while the current athletics director is still working there. So when AGB presented their report, they took particular pains to chide the board over their inappropriate meddling in university affairs. I'll let Lucas tell us more about the board meeting as he was there and the subsequent dressing down that AGB directed towards board members who were overly involved in athletics. Welcome to the podcast, Lucas. Dr. Weaver, thank you so much for having me. So tell us a little bit about your your observations. Uh, you're, you're relatively new to this beat. You're not an athletics reporter, but obviously you picked up some of the governance issues. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the way I got started on this was in October 2018, uh, Dr. Harris Pasides was the president of the University of South Carolina. He was very well liked down here. He had been in the position for then 10 years. By the time he eventually stepped down, it was about 11 years. So they started looking for someone to fill the position. So that's kind of where this whole situation started. And, you know, 11 years, as your audience knows, is a pretty long time for a college president. It is. Um, so everyone in town had kind of gotten used to him, whether it was the political figures, you know, since we're the state capital, the legislature gets used to him because he's the one making budget requests. So everyone was used to Harris Pastis, who was a very personable um talkative kind of you know he stopped to take selfies with students on campus um and bob caslin is a very different sort of figure where he is like he's very focused um he's a little quieter um but i'm sorry i'm getting a little off track here um to specific to the meeting itself which is kind of where the story has the latest chapter that's unfolded um if you guys are going to hire agb to look over your board procedures i would expect a dressing down because they were very, very hard on USC at, at first. I was really surprised. Sometimes people hire consultants to endorse their act, actions and say, you know, this was all good. This wasn't really one of those cases. AGB really went after the board of trustees, their culture. They talked to board trustee members. They were very thorough. Um, so they were pretty aggressive up front. The first half of the meeting, they, just, they really just laid into the board of trustees, told them a lot of hard stuff they didn't want to hear. And the second half of the meeting was a lot more productive in terms of them saying, okay, now that we've identified these problems, how, here's how we think you should fix it. And then they presented a bunch of different uh, possible solutions. So walk us through uh, what the room was like when you, when you got there. You knew when you attended the meeting this was going to be a uh, discussion with AGB? 
I did. Yeah, the day before I got a copy of the AGB report, and I was shocked at how um, how directly it criticized the board. Um, but maybe I shouldn't have been. I've just I've never been in one of these scenarios, so people with more experience with AGB might know more. Um, yeah. That is probably part of the reason that uh, President Caslin was pushing for them. As I, I believe he had some experience with them at uh, University of Central Florida when there was. Uh, kind of a mess down there with their financials. I don't know all the details about that, but I know Caslin had worked with them. So that's one of the reasons he was pushing for AGB um, is I, I guess they were going to come down there, maybe tell them some hard, hard truths, some hard things that they didn't want to hear. Um, the room itself was pretty calm. The trustees got a little defensive, a little cagey on some stuff, um, but even AGB, um, I'll get, I wrote his name down. I, I kept forgetting it, but um. Uh, Richard Legon, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah, you know, sometimes former, he was trying to. President. He's the former president of the Association of Governing Boards, also known as AGB. Yes. Yes. Okay. So he was. He would even say stuff sometimes about like you know, your culture's completely political. It's self-serving, and a board member would push back, and he would say, "Look, I was just trying to provoke you," um, which was it was an interesting uh, dynamic. But I think he was trying to kind of shake them awake. Um, sometimes I've been in a lot of board of trustees meetings. Nothing against USC or the board, but they can be really dry sometimes. There's not a lot of times a lot of people are standing up and shaking the cages. And if they are, it's an executive session. And I honestly don't really know much about what happens there. So public meetings are very, very rarely is there a, a loud dispute. So I think it was just this, the tactic of AGV was to come in there, a little bit of shock and awe, and really force them out of their comfort zone so that they could start considering some different solutions. I think that's a really um, helpful comment because I think you're absolutely right. Uh, in so many situations where trustees have to make difficult decisions, they do it in executive committee and they don't let the public see. And in this situation, they decided that they needed to open it up. Did you have any sense as to why it was in an open meeting? That's a good question. That is something that um, I thought was just a USC thing, but apparently uh, other schools... Um, from from your comments seems like other schools have this um condition but i also covered the local school boards and they really don't meet in executive session for very long the right. fireworks are in public there's public disputes there's disputes over votes there's all kinds it's the messy democracy you get to see in person i get the sense that when i would go see uh south carolina's university of south carolina's uh, board of trustees meeting there wasn't a whole lot of deliberation it was very clear in the public eye and the executive session would be really long uh, every once in a while people would ask a couple questions but you know it, it, it's it, they seemed almost to be token questions i'm not really sure what was talked about behind because there's certain stuff you're not supposed to talk about in executive session but if we don't know what you're talking about how do we police that right. and if the people there aren't allowed to talk about it then how does it how does it get out so um as to why they did this in the public session, I don't know. I think USC has had so much. That's, that's a great question, actually. Um, I'm going to guess and say they've, um, and in dealing with their communications department, I think they've dealt with, they've had a lot of very public blowback from this. You know, the mayor of Columbia was, in, was involved. Um, political candidates, like I think even Bernie Sanders said something about it. Um, there's a lot of like, there started to be a lot of national attention on this for all the wrong reasons. Right. And I think um, USC and like I said, from judging my interactions, their communications department um, wanted to just be open about this and let it just, they just wanted to take it on the chin. They didn't want to try to duck any of these punches and then make another story about how they tried to hide something or they buried a report. Um, just, you know, and because like a lot of times I'll have 
you know, people telling me like, Hey, there's a meeting tomorrow and AGB is going to be there and this report's going to come in. It's, you know, um, so th- it seems like they were pretty open about it. Um, cause I think they just were ready for this to be over. Right. Right. Well, and since the, the allegation that a lot of this stuff happened behind closed doors, I still don't know what governor McMaster said to board of trustee members. No one else really does. Some people said, he's like, Hey, just, you should vote for Kaslan. And some people were like, you call the voter. I will. So depending on which, who tells you what that call was like, and that was all done in the, in the dark, that was all done behind closed doors. I think USC just wants to take their last couple punches right on the nose and just, and just move on from this. And move on. Yeah. And you're alluding to the whole, um, uh, other fiasco that happened around the appointment of the president. Do you want to share that briefly with us? That was really where things exploded. When, um, after Pastides had retired, there was about a, he, let's see, he retired in August or October rather, announced his retirement. And then in April, USC announced their finalists. They brought in four finalists. One of them was General Kaslin. So when the trustees were going to name the finalists, there was a group of students who had heard from, uh, from a media source that um, Kaslin was considered to be a favorite. Um, there was about 40 students who had protested that. Some of the faculty also disagreed because they didn't think that he was equipped for a research university because of his, um, he didn't have a doctorate degree. Um, running West Point is very different than running um, a university like the University of South Carolina where you have like eight campuses and 51,000 students and the enrollment situation. It's just, it's, they're very different universities. Um, yeah. So there was a lot of people who had issues with that. Some people criticized his service in the Iraq and Afghanistan wars, um, you know, being a part of some wars they might have disagreed with, but it was, it was pretty small c- compared to what came later. Um, yeah. in, in July, I had, I had people telling me, and it was an open secret at the state house. Like I had state house reporters saying, Hey, I'm hearing that, um, Governor McMaster's calling the board of trustees and asking them to cast a vote. And I said, I know, I've heard the same thing. Eventually, Charles Williams, one of the trustees, went on the record about it. We broke the story, and people were reacted very passionately. Most, most of the people who heard it, I'd say, either really, really liked that the governor got involved and got this done with, or were very angry that the governor got involved because the governor has never attended a board meeting since being uh, the governor. He didn't even attend the vote for the meeting that he pushed for so badly. So this isn't, it was very abnormal for him to get involved. So some people were mad. This, so this is on undue political influence. You know, the SACs, the accrediting body starts saying, well, is this because he's technically an ex officio member of the board? That's when things got really bad. That's when SACs got involved. That's when USC formed an AAUP chapter the whole thing started, that's when things exploded. You know, April was kind of quiet, was kind of quiet. There were some protests, there was a split board, some disagreements behind the scenes. Um, and that was one of those situations where that entire board meeting in April was pretty much behind the scenes. You know, they were doing final interviews with people and then they came and took their vote, reopened it and put in a guy, Brendan Kelly, who's now uh, he's somewhere in Georgia. He's the president of a university there who was universally liked by everybody. Everyone at the university, no one had anything bad to say about Brendan Kelly. Um, and which that might be why they lost him. And I don't know if I've seen a lot of faculty speculate on that, but I apologize. I'm getting tangential, but um, July is when things really exploded. That's when things, that's when SACs got involved. That's when AAUP started looking at this. That's when you really saw faculty get involved. That's when the political candidates, the mayor of Columbia, a lot of people got involved. 
So there was a lot of politics involved in this. And um, certainly you're talking about the year 2019. So this was not, not all that long ago. But one of the things that struck me about some of your stories is that how the board is appointed, because you've referenced the governor a few times. Can you just talk briefly about that? Sure. The majority of the governor of the board members are elected by the general uh, the, the general assembly. So there's like a there's a selection process. There's like they I, I don't know they put like the uh, basically like the the job opening out there and people go to apply for it. You go to a subcommittee, subcommittee interviews. You ask you a few questions, and then if if they think you're you know it's it's almost like a bill with a subcommittee. The members of the subcommittee take a vote on you. If you're worth moving on to the next, the next spot, that's where you go. So, and then you get approved from there. And most of the time, board members get reapproved. It's it's kind of rare for an incumbent to get voted out. So that is how the the lion's share of board members are elected. There's a couple ex officio. There's the superintendent of education. There's the governor, and there is the alumni association. And then the governor gets to appoint one person on the board to. Uh, just as a, a general designee and another person who is supposed to be voting in the governor's stead, which that seems to be what happened uh, here. Um, what's interesting is the oldest serving member of the board, Eddie Floyd, and I know we're opening something that's a little different. It's been there since 1982. Um, USC's board, and this has been a major issue on this for a long time, is it's very stark lack of diversity. Um, Eddie Floyd said that uh, when the governor first started doing that, started appointing another person to to the board, you know, without the General Assembly's process, the whole point of that was to help increase diversity. But, you know, McMaster has appointed three white men in his positions. You know, one was a temporary appointee to replace a board of trustee member who passed away. Um, so, you know, that's um, that's perhaps that was how it originally was. But, you know, right now the, the two guys he he appointed to the board are campaign donors. Right. And that brings up a whole other set of complexities when your board doesn't really reflect either your state population or the population of the students that go to your campuses. So let's let's kind of um, refocus on what AGB then brought to the meeting after they got done kind of calling them out and then saying, okay, how can we fix this? They took some time to really point out some issues with trustees and athletics. Can you talk about those? Um, yeah, with athletics, they pretty much said you're there to hire an athletic, well, to get the president and athletic director kind of on the same page and then stay out of it. Um, there's a lot of board of trustee members um, who will who will talk to the press, which is which is interesting. It was interesting to see AGB say you're a board and you don't you shouldn't go talk to the press or just go out and give your individual opinions, which that was very strange to me um, because they are elected and they are public officials, even though it's a volunteer position, they're still handling billions of dollars of public money in their term. I think so that, that, was, I that think, was, I was going to say, Lucas, I think that's a really important point because I know that's sort of been standard operating procedure when it comes to uh, board governance, that there's only one voice. It's usually the chair of the board who speaks, but you're right. They're managing millions of dollars of public money and they are publicly elected officials. So that's something just for folks to think about, but, but go ahead. Yeah, which that which that, that that surprised me to hear them say that. Um, there was also, um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, but talking about the athletics and, and and the report that they said stop talking to the uh, the local media. 
Yeah, basically they said stay out of it um, and talk and just bring up your your opinions at the board and whatever the board goes with, don't dissent. Um, you know, or not don't dissent, but don't go out publicly and start stirring things up. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if if they had followed that all along, um, then we never would have heard about the governor getting in, getting involved in this situation. So. Um, but also, AGB says you shouldn't be taking those calls anyway. Right. You should, if your politician calls you and says, "I'm sorry, sir or ma'am, we can't talk about this," right? Um, right. They said, and the board was very conflicted on that. And they said, "You just need to have a policy and stick to it," because right. everyone did have a clear, did have a different definition of what they were supposed to do when a politician calls them. Because some of them are like, because um, you know they they are going to the legislature and asking for money. And if let's say let's just this hasn't happened or that I know, but let's say the the chair of like the budget committee gives them a call and says, I want you to do this. Um, you know, you have to be taught or you're in, you're asking for funding and they say, what do you think about this? Like it's, it is complicated, but the takeaway was that they needed to have a system of what to do when a politician talks to you and follow it, which yeah. they did not have before. Uh, and, and that's, that's true for any, any board or any university. Usually the president speaks on behalf of the institution and, and uh, not necessarily would they ask the head football coach to speak on behalf of the institution. They would ask the football coach to, to stay in his lane and talk about football. But let's dive down to a couple of the issues. So in one situation, uh, trustees, as trustees do, were upset with the fact that uh, South Carolina was 4-8. and eight. They were having a lousy season. You have to deal with Clemson, who's sitting in your backyard having these great seasons. And that puts pressure on trustees to try to do something. And so it appears from the sources that you have found that they were actually trying to figure out how to buy out the football coach. And it doesn't sound like they were having conversations with the president about that. Is that your reporting? Um, I don't know. I, I know people were, I know there was talk, um, at least among fans, you know, certainly on Twitter, you know, fans get frustrated and I, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. So I know what it's like to be <laughs> in a fan base that just constantly loses. That is just a constant, like, you know, so I've been there, you know, you lose a game to the Bengals and everyone's like fire everybody. Um, so I've, but I've, I saw a lot of talk about that. And, you know, even though they beat Georgia, who was a really good team this year, they still lost to Washington state and UNC. So there's a lot of fans who are saying, you know, is it time to give up on must champ? Um, and a lot of, in a lot of our sports reporting had said, yeah, his buyout was, I think at the time, like $19 million. Um, and one of the question, and one of the questions I had was, can we even afford that? So I was calling board of trustee members and I started asking, you know, is this, is this possible? Cause as your entire audience knows, there's a ton of money in higher education but that is pretty much not liquid. It is hard to find liquid money in a higher education budget because it's all going to teachers, capital reserves, classroom scholarships. There's guarantees. You can't just hack at someone's salary. You can't cut scholarships. And people would revolt if you did to pay for a new coach. So it's it's not as easy to find. Even though you have like a billion-dollar budget, it's not easy to just come up with $19 million plus to pay a new coach. Right. So, and some other trustees were saying, well, you know, we could probably make it work if we moved a couple things around. And so that was pretty much what that story was about was, can we even afford this? You know? Right. And, and, and what the question becomes, is it appropriate for the board members to be doing that in real time rather than letting the president uh, do his or her job and, and bring that uh, to the board uh, attention after the internal university staff has executed its responsibilities. It's fundamentally inappropriate for a university trustee to 
insert themselves into the process before the process has even begun. That was certainly AGB's position. Yeah, yeah. Then we have the situation where it appears that several board members um, wanted to make a change in the athletic director chair and decided to invite a former football player at South Carolina, um, Brad Edwards, who is a sitting AD at, uh, at George Mason. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, I, I know what report you're referring to. That is not something we've been able to corroborate. Okay. Um, I don't, I, yeah, honestly, I, I wish I had more to add on that, but I don't, I don't want to speculate. Fair enough, fair enough. So suffice it to say that, that AGB really had some particular um, uh, comments about how the trustees were being allowed to have really too much of a role publicly and maybe behind the scenes in interfering in university affairs. And that the, the AGB likely said to them, you know, it's really best to let the university staff uh, deal with most of these, and your job is to provide oversight. Um, did you get any sense after the meeting how folks responded to this um, new direction that the uh, consultants were advising them to take? Uh, I, I have not. It is something that's on, on the agenda because there is uh, not like a concrete plan going forward. Like, I imagine they're going to amend bylaws or put in certain certain protocols like um for example like one way they said they could boost uh diversity would be to add non-voting trustees to the board so for instance like you know they because it's 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 in law they can't just pick another trustee some colleges can do that agb liked that approach but usc just isn't in that position the legislature doesn't have an appetite for it but what they could do is they could for example say like okay we have too few african americans on the board we can have let's have a representative from the naacp um sit on the board or Let's make sure we have, let's double the amount of faculty on the board. That's stuff they can use to boost diversity that really isn't going to cost them a whole lot. Um, that's the kind of stuff I'll be looking for when they actually roll out a plan. And it's, you know, something I'll follow up with in a little bit. But that's, it's, it is interesting to see what they do because, you know, you can, have, you can have the consultants give you um, information for days, but the question is, you know, are they going to do anything? Right, right. And if I remember correctly, I think there's 19 total members of the board. Is that correct? Yeah, there's about, I think, I think you count, if, if you count the governor and his designee, I think there's 20. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's about that. Okay. So one cho choice might be just to enlarge the board and just make it, make it a bigger and hopefully more divorce, diver, diverse board. Which is, it's interesting you mentioned that because there's a bill in the legislature that's getting a lot of traction that says to decrease the size of the board. Yeah. And AGB thinks that's the worst idea ever. Um, Basically, right now, we have it divided up by judicial districts. You run in your judicial district. The way the legislature wants it to be is through congressional district. Now, that argument is to do so because the judicial, the congressional districts, rather, each year or whenever they redistrict, the population's balanced. That way, you have one trustee representing 500,000 people or, or whatever that number is, instead of judicial districts where, like, Charleston's huge, Columbia's huge, but, um, like, Allendale's small. Right. It's, it's, but the, it reduces the number of people on the board. And um, there's some skepticism, especially from AGB, about whether that would actually do anything. AGB thinks it would do nothing. It might make, make it worse. But um, that is something that's being kicked around the legislature that could pass. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a topic in other states as well. I, I've uh, covered on this podcast a university that had eight people on their, on their board of trustees, which is sort of an unusual number because usually they're odd numbers and not even numbers when you're trying to look at voting. So 
Um, Lucas, I really appreciate you joining us and uh, to talk more about this uh, particular issue because uh, quite frankly, if you, if you follow some of uh, the efforts that AGD has given to other campuses, not often does athletics came up, come up and that's why I thought it'd be interesting to talk with you about this particular situation. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I think it came up here because it was a whole look at the board culture. It was almost like, you know, they're they're picking up the rock to find one thing and they find 10 things. <laughs> so they're going to put 10 things in the report. And there was a lot of stuff that played out in the, in the press with, um, you know, especially when uh, Kaslin first got here, talked to a couple, said some stuff that he probably thought was off the cuff to newspapers. And they reported on it. And he was like, I didn't quite say that. And then the newspapers released the audio. Um, and it was the newspapers... That didn't happen in our case. That happened to some papers he met with before me. Um, but that, that was probably part of it, too, was this public talking a lot about um, athletics. And, yeah, there was, there was some, like, AGB was looking at this, like, okay, this has obviously resulted in a lot of bad headlines. How do we fix this? Right, right, which is also a concern of trustees in terms of, you know, state funding and how your public perceives you and those kinds of things. Well, Lucas, thank you so much for taking some time. I know you're hustling to do a million different things, but we really appreciate you uh, spending some time with our listeners. Perfect. Thank you so much, Dr. Weaver. I appreciate it. You're welcome.